What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to episode 24 of the Beyond Podcast. And uh, Mark Bewley, part two. Uh, this is the, uh, the epic finale to the Barley Swine saga. Not really. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll get somebody else for Barley Swine on here um at some point but uh yeah we're moving on for now um yeah so this is the final mark Bewley episode and the final um barley swine episode for for the foreseeable future um and i am burnt the fuck out dude i got nothing to talk about just because my brain's dead i just fucking just been working so much doing too much creative shit feel burnt out i feel numb but anyway enough about me um, yeah, this is the final part of Mark Bewley's story. Um, great dude with a, a great story. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it, enjoyed, uh, listening to it as much as I enjoyed, uh, talking to him and, uh, hope you enjoyed this whole little suite of episodes. I don't know what's going to happen next. Just going to do, uh, some new rounds of interviews and just reach out to some people. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I'd like to thank, uh, you know, Mark and Kevin and Alexa for coming on, telling their stories. It was great. It was a fun time. And um, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long journey. It feels like <laughs> just because I release every two weeks, it feels like I've been on this on this train for a while. But um, yeah, um, give all of them a follow if you haven't checked out any of those previous episodes. Check those out. Follow Barley Swine. They're doing some cool shit. Uh, they're always like, you know, changing things up and trying to be on the cutting edge of Texas fine dining. You know, they don't get enough attention. So, uh, you know, I'd love to turn as many eyeballs onto them as possible and um, onto Bryce Gilmore, who's doing some wild shit and having fun doing it. Um, they're not they're They take the food seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. So there's a, uh, definitely a lot of. Um, it's a little bit lighter than than most restaurants, I would say. Let's see what else. Uh, yeah, gonna have some some new merch um, samples coming in very soon, so those will be uh, going down. Thank you to uh, people on the on the Patreon who voted for um, the. You know, I had a couple concepts on there, and then uh, some people on the Patreon voted. I appreciate that. Um, so those samples will be coming soon, and then uh, I'll fucking put those <laughs> up on the... There's no reason for me to cuss there. <laughs> there's, no reason, there's no reason for me to cuss there. That's hilarious. Those will be up on the, the website soon, yeah. Um, with a whole new, whole new collection of Beyond merch. Uh, let's see, what else? I think that's it. Yeah, I think I'm just going to keep it real short. And uh, let you guys get to the episode. Um, this episode starts immediately uh, where the other episode left off. Hope you guys have been enjoying these little uh, smaller episodes, uh, something a little more digestible. But um, if you if you don't, then just uh, message me and tell me to you know put the whole thing out, uh, and I'll do that too. I'm just a pushover like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, 
again, thanks to everybody who um, uh, came on uh, uh, from Barley Swine. And um, I hope you enjoyed this last episode. And I'll see you in two weeks with something completely different. And uh, also, you know, the normal stuff. Rate. Just rate. Just rate it and download the episodes. That really helps a lot. You know, just, you know, share it. Just share it. Just when you're when you're listening to it, just you know, take a little 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 photo with your phone there, and then you know, tag me, Peon Magazine, and it it, get, it gets around, and uh, it helps a lot, a lot more than you realize, and it doesn't take that much effort. So, okay, now I'll leave you with that. Enjoy the episode. See you in a couple weeks. Thank you so much. I'm going to throw my name in the hat in Aspen and really push for Little Nell. I got a call back from there. I ended up moving out to Aspen to work there. The first day there, our, I guess it would have been the first week I was in the bistro because the, uh, the normal seasonal cooks hadn't started back yet. But the first day when the seasonal cooks started back, I met the two guys I was going to be cooking the line with every night. And mm-hmm. that was Bryce Gilmore on yeah. on the meat station uh-huh. and Sam Hellman Mass. That's amazing. Um, yeah, who was cooking fish, and, <laughs> and they both worked there the previous season. Oh wow! And I was okay, like, so the, they had experience. Yeah, and I was wow. like the new guy, and yeah. so we like prepped our stuff out, and like we became fast friends because we were all so passionate. Yeah. Like Sam was relatively new to restaurants, but was like, but was like a sponge. You know, he had a yeah. he had a finance background and had gone to Boston University. And then Bryce is just like born and bred restaurant guy and had worked at some good places on the West Coast. And he was just like unshakable. <laughs> and just that's, the, a, that's the best description of Bryce I've ever heard. Oh, and he's, just, he, he's, yeah. he's like the ice man, like ice cold, no yeah. mistakes. Even back then, his cooking was like that. Yeah. It's like every lamb was perfect that he put up. You know, like all, like all of his meat cookery was just spot on. And it was like to the point where it was like almost annoying. <laughs> yeah and then sam cooked the uh fish station so he had like a fish and a chicken uh pickup and like endlessly curious but like it to a point where it was almost like annoying to the exec sue there <laughs> um, yeah the exec we like we had a locker room at that hotel to like get ready for uh-huh. service Wait, so it's just the three of you was on the line? it was three of us on the hot section of the oh, line okay <clears throat> and then garmage had like three people oh okay okay and then there was two cooks on a bar station, and there was a handful, of, a handful of people in the pastry kitchen. But like the actual entree, hot, like hot food on a busy night, like we were, the, we were the crew. There was alternate crew that like worked the days that we had off, but we typically worked all the busy days get together. And I did pasta station, so I was like responsible for um, producing the pasta, and um, and then picking, it, doing all the pickups during service. Wow. So yeah, the three of us became fast friends and just like cooked our little hearts out and went and drank beers and got wild in the evenings afterwards. And yeah, it's a, it's a seasonal, is it a seasonal cooking job? Cause Aspen is a seasonal town, right? So it like, is, it is what, like yep. six months out of the year. It's kind of dead, right? Yeah. I mean, summer's killer and winter's is, you know, the heart of that whole town. So, yeah. um, the shoulder seasons, like the city has since done some things to like sort of pepper in some additional business, but like it did make for some unique opportunities to like fill those down seasons. So, um, like one of the down seasons I lived and worked on the farm. Oh, that's amazing. It was super fun. 
and um, one of the other down seasons, the uh, I, I was like the right after Bryce left, like they basically I took his former job on the meat station, and he was he was the kitchen supervisor, so junior sous chef there. So I took the, the junior sous chef job, and then when the first down season came, after he he had left to come back and open Odd Duck as the trailer, Blackberry Farms in Tennessee, which is a oh ter- I know that yeah. farm I follow him yeah um, yeah they had opposite off seasons then so their peak was the spring and okay. the fall, All and right. so like the chef of the hotel asked me if I would take like three or four cooks and go work at Blackberry <laughs> Farms for four months. Oh, that's amazing. And so we, we lived at a house across the road from actual yeah, the property there. Um, and we all cooked in the barn. Um, the barn is, there's two restaurants on Blackberry Farms. Well, there was at the time. Mm-hmm. I think they might have expanded slightly by now. But there's the main house, which is sort okay. of like uh, uh, more traditional southern uh, okay. and a little more, slightly more casual. And then the barn was their like tasting menu, fine dining restaurant. Okay. And so like I cooked the meat station there and then... There is a traditional brigade system with island suites and like okay. you went entremets wow. and you'd, you'd cook your protein and you wouldn't even slice it. You'd send it to the past. Chef would slice it and plate it. Wow. So it'd be like, I was just grilling. I was like grilling all the meats. Um, but mm. it was, in, the product is absolutely mind blowing there that we were working with. And yeah. there'd be like an entire speed rack of mushrooms and it would be like, wow. you know, double a matsutakis on there and there would be porcinis and black trumpets and you know lobster mushrooms and there there'd wow. be you know 15 wild mushrooms from foods and season that we could pick from like on wow. any day it's amazing and that was all coming from the farm no that was coming from foods and season <clears throat> on the west coast but a lot of the stuff that we were working oh, okay. with on the on the farm was like they have a couple acre garden there in the center mm-hmm. of the property that's like in part a guest amenity and then also it's like when I was there, there was a guy named John Cotentill who was running the, um, who was running that, the farm there, or the garden there, and he is known as like one of the celebrities in Southern seed saving. Um, so he's been on like the Mind of Chef episodes where, with where, Sean Brock, yeah, with Sean yeah. Brock, you yeah. know, just overall clad. Okay. Like old timer, yeah, who's saved all of these heirloom seeds. Is he the guy that brought back like Carolina Gold and stuff like that? Or no, is, that's is, uh, Alan Benton. Or no, that's Alan Benton's the ham guy. That's um, oh, I know his name too. That. But okay, so there's like a circle of them. Kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah. But okay. he's you know in the same in the same level as as, um, as those people. Yep. Wow, that's amazing. And you know we he, we were growing pencil cob corn and wow. grinding the grinding that corn for grits on the daily. Wow. We were like, it's amazing. You know, they had uh, they had a herd of about eighty sheep, um, and then they would <laughs> that's cool. They had a full dairy, and they'd milk the sheep and nice. make sheep milk cheeses. Mm-hmm. Um, they have one that you can still buy to this day. It's called Singing Brook. It's like brilliant sheep milk cheese. Okay. Um, so yeah, so cooked there for that off season. Had a phenomenal time cooking there. The chef okay. at the time was a guy named Adam Cook, who's got just a killer restaurant um, mm-hmm. called Top Soil now. Okay, and he was. He was nominated for, uh, actually, excuse me, he would have been the, the, the nomination crew that leaks sometimes things from the James Beard mm-hmm. you know, folks was like, Adam, if you stay at Blackberry Farms, like you're getting the Best Chef Southeast nomination next year for sure. But he decided to leave. Oh, okay. And then the other, his co-chef sort of of that property ended up getting nominated like the year right after we left. 
Okay. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's that's the point where they're just nominating the restaurant pretty much. Oh, it's yeah. such a notable restaurant. Yeah. They, they're doing such like ambitious work. Like they had, you know, the full larder where they're doing all like the pickling and preserving. Um, and they had like a full time larder manager. Um, oh, and wow. They had USDA inspectors out there because they're shipping a lot of their products. Okay, so they were like completely yeah. everything's above board, everything's for sure. You know, oh, absolutely, yeah. because the the family that owns that is um, the Bell family, and they all their money com- comes from Ruby Tuesday, the uh, the, the, they the own restaurant. The, yeah, they own that, <laughs> and okay. so they had they had originally purchased Blackberry Farms as like a, uh, a wow. corporate retreat, um, and it grew and grew and grew, and it started as a small farm. And when I had worked there, the property had grown to nine thousand acres, wow. and they had like they had the whole sheep thing. They had they had uh, hazelnut trees. They had inoculated with truffle spores. They trained like they wow. trained truffle hunting dogs there. That's insane. It was totally All insane. Just from that family. From that family, and they had wow. they had at the time the largest private collection of wine in America, at one hundred and sixty five thousand bottles. At that. I didn't know Ruby Tuesdays was that popular. <laughs> yeah. I I don't I don't know uh, I don't know how it all worked. I didn't get wow. to you know stick my head behind That's the curtain too often, but it was yeah it was mind-blowing like mm-hmm. like alain ducasse stayed there a couple times when i was there like these absolute wow. juggernaut level celebrity chefs from europe would like yeah come and hang out there or we'd have sounds like you found the back door like everybody's it, trying to go sh- like go in the front front door with exactly. french laundry and you found like the back door well i mean black blackberry would uh attract all the same people yeah um, right and it would be you know like the the metal wood um which is another restaurant that a lot of people knew at the time in, mm-hmm. in Napa. Yeah. And it's the same guy who owns Screaming Eagle Cabernet, which is like used to be the most expensive wine that American produced wine. Okay. Uh, he owns the Meadowwood. And like that whole group would like co op a dinner for the Naples wine auction. And That's it would amazing. be like two nights at Blackberry Farms. And, and then you would be nights. working that? I got to work the one that was the co-op dinner between the Little Nell Hotel and Blackberry Farms, and it was done at the house of the owner of Blackberry Farms. That's amazing. And it was like <laughs> all those guys were there, yeah, and um, totally mind-blowing experience. That just uh-huh. like you're like pinching yourself. You're like, wait, what? This guy has twenty thousand bottles of wine in his house. You know, like, yeah. What yeah. is this? That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, and then I spent that season at blackberry farms ended up back at um at the little nell mm-hmm. and we're, we're i would do like private dinners from time to time mm-hmm. and um had done one for a guy uh named bruce Berger, and he was like uh okay actually had done it for his friend and his he called me like oh you know the next day and he's like uh, i ate at the dinner last night it was amazing i want to do a restaurant here in aspen i got a i got a building let's let's have a meeting and i was like 27 or 28 at the okay time. So he o- I ended up opening a restaurant in Aspen called BB's Kitchen okay, for wait, him. So Bryce had left and Sam had also left yep. as well? Okay. Bryce left to come to Austin to do okay. uh, Odd trailer. Yeah. Sam went to Chicago to work at Spiaggia. Wow. Um, okay. And then I stayed on. So at, how long was that period of time? Was that just like a year or so when you guys worked together? It would have been a couple of years. Okay couple of years kind of off and on because like off seasons we'd go yeah, do stuff yeah. and come back of course yeah um i'm trying to think of how what else all fit in there <laughs> but oh yeah and i and there was there was one season where i was the sous chef at like the bistro restaurant in the hotel which is called ajax tavern it's like right at the base of aspen mountain it's okay. a ski up restaurant 
um, just like enormous volume. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy pace, but, um, a lot of, a lot of fun to work there. And I learned a lot about like trying to do the best food you could with the fewest steps possible. <laughs> yeah. Just the same time. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like a chef that, you know, Sam and Bryce and I would all cite is probably the most influential in our career was the executive sous chef of the hotel named Steve Rosakowski. Mm-hmm. He's got restaurants in um, Boulder and in Denver right now. He has okay. Oak at 14th. It was his first one, and that's like okay. right on Pearl Street in downtown Boulder. And then okay. he had you know one called Acorn in Denver, and then he's okay. he's uh, he has one called Brider. That's his more casual spot. But anyway, we worked. We all worked for him, and he was the one who like passed on that message because I tried to do food that was too complicated early on, <laughs> and was getting just crushed on days that you shouldn't get crushed yeah and he would be like mark how many pans does that pick up and i'd be like it's three you know because that was no big deal to have a three pan pickup like yeah when we were at the fancy restaurant and he just like shook his head and like hung his head he's like and just held up one finger he's like one he's like yeah. that's how many pans you're allowed to use per pickup in this restaurant he's like (laughs) okay there's just as much artistry in figuring that out as there is in tweezing your way into a james beard award yeah you know i was like i that those words weighed heavy for me so i was just like all right like figure out how to do nice food without that limitation is is almost more uh uh, creatively um exciting yeah it's like here are four crayons like make art you know, yeah, yeah. Sort of, exactly. Yeah. I really, appre- yeah. I appreciated his stance on that. And I also, you know, like thinking about my upbringing was very much like, I want to cook for people who I'd like want to have a beer with. And yeah. So I was starting to like gravitate a little bit more towards casual cooking at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's why like this, this BB's kitchen opportunity was so compelling. Okay. I was like, Oh, I get to open something where I'm the chef there. I get to help design the kitchen I get oh, to wow. hire all the staff. I get to like put my management degree to work and see if I can do That's all amazing. the do all the finance stuff. At twenty seven or yeah, twenty eight or twenty seven. Wow, dang! So I took that on and then hired a couple of my uh, buddies from culinary school, and it was incredible because it's like then my buddies from culinary school are like one of them's working as a sous chef at Eleven Madison Park now. No, he was then. Oh, he was then. Wow. He was then, and he was like kind of ready to like get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's like I can imagine it's pretty exhausting. <laughs> at twenty, you know, a twenty-seven yeah. or twenty-eight-year-old chef, I get to hire like a sous chef from Eleven Madison Park to help That's me amazing. cook like yeah. pretty casual food and yeah. very casual food in comparison to EMP. But like, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, he he came and helped me open that restaurant and was you know one one of the sous chefs there. The other sous chef was was doing uh, some chef work at the Marriott Group in mm-hmm. Michigan. But he, we had just always gotten along so well, and his his uh, aesthetic really fit the food that we wanted to do mm-hmm. and then um the guy that was doing all of the butchery for us had been the butcher at, at the little Nell hotel and had and was at uh oh, wow. den before that and like Damn. so wow. we were making poached a lot of really great people and yeah. it was incredible because we, we all had a lot of fun working together and going to school together and like we mm-hmm. knew like we would we'd push as hard as we possibly could yeah um so we did we we did like some simple but um still technique driven food mm-hmm. we're still we're doing you know salumi from scratch we're still like 
putting a lot of technique into the pickups, but simplifying them so mm-hmm. like we could keep pace and still like, you know, getting, getting a couple cases of lobsters every week and like breaking them down and making elevated dishes out of all the component parts. Yeah. But, um, not to the level of refinement as the, as you know, like Bryce ended up starting with barley at the time, yeah. but it was like a little more traditional, like, entree app dessert set up for the menu mm-hmm. with like a few small plates at the time okay so it wasn't like tweezer work kind of stuff it was just like no nice yeah. spoon you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay a nice spoon yeah. but like yeah. thoughtfully prepared um, how was that experience like running your first restaurant it was crazy yeah i, I lost imagine. like 35 pounds and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I can laughs> um, imagine. yeah yeah you know, I lived with two of my sous chefs mm-hmm. at the time, and we were, we lived like half a mile from the restaurant. I spent oh, yeah. so every whole day is, for yeah a long time there. I learned an enormous amount. Yeah, um, did you get to see the business side of of that? I did get to see the business side. The guy who was the who was the general manager there, mm-hmm. he and the owner like really started like button heads quite a bit. Okay, and then he was he was kind of taking some liberties that were like borderline in terms of like, I mean, maybe, maybe you shouldn't take bottles of wine home for tasting. (laughs) Oh, Um, I see. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm doing the wine list. I got to take this bottle home for tasting. Yeah. You know, and that was happening quite a bit. This like the, he was pouring whatever he wanted for whoever. Um, He, he got what ended up getting wedged out. And then the, the owner hired a consulting team from Vegas to come in and like sort of, okay sort of shake the place up and to see like, Hey, okay. why are we losing money? Um, Oh, okay. I mean, they found it pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> it, it was that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a big part of it. Yeah. And, but some of what made the place tick financially and the, the guy who I opened the restaurant for Bruce, he, he came from the New York real estate scene and also had a okay. real estate office in, in Aspen. Okay. And I mean, his son had an MBA from an Ivy league school and would like come and sit in on the meetings and, and, um, Bruce was sort of like school of hard knocks, but like tough and smart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I so mean, this is like big, big money. We're talking, oh, it's, not, yeah. it's not just like daily, oh, yeah. like $3,000 covers. We're talking like big money, like buying cases or like a whole cellar of wine and that kind of thing. Um, not like not to that extent but i mean his wife his wife was a major art collector and she had oh, like okay. pieces on uh-huh. loan to the moma and wow. like there's like like okay. hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars worth of art all over the walls there um wow. and like they hired really high-end designers and mm-hmm. had a lot of stuff fabricated wow. it's like what it would cost to do a restaurant in austin now um in terms of okay. like if you were doing one that was like polished to upscale design could work in any in yeah. any major oh, city yeah. level yeah um where it's like light fixtures and forks and what kind of table bases and oh, linens wow. and that that kind of stuff yeah um but yeah i mean we ran that place i was there i don't know a year and a half fish mm-hmm. probably oh that's 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 as that's, I expected longer, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of, it, it became apparent that it was going to be a really challenging um, relationship with ownership. Oh, after that guy left and things kind of tightened up? After that guy left and then the consultants came in mm-hmm. and... Did they want you to like compromise food or, or well, what was Well, I the... mean, I'd already had to make some, some changes in the food based on like what the owners wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember when we cooked for the consultants, they were like, 
they like sat me down afterwards and they're like, I don't know if you, uh, I mean, we ate all your food and, uh, everything is under seasoned. And I'm like, I know. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, well, why, what do you mean? You know? And I'm like, well, one of the owner's friends comes in here and eats and every time he gets done eating he complains that everything is salty 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 and he got the owner got sick of hearing that everything was salty yeah and was like wow you know essentially had an ultimatum with me that was like you can't don't don't put so much salt in the food you know and okay his friend would eat there a couple times a week okay so, so it was all catering towards his friend towards towards his friend and wow. he didn't want to hear that the food was salty at his restaurant okay. and so I was like, guys, we gotta like, we gotta chill out on the salt. Like, all the <laughs> all of the burgers friends are coming in, and they're like saying that the food is salty. I yeah. know it's seasoned. How like we want it, but the guy, it's he's the owner. He's not gonna let it go. He keeps pushing. He won't drop it. Wow. And then they were like, okay, you know. So it was that was an interesting conversation of like, the food is salty. I know. Wait, you know? Yeah. And then, um. <laughs> them bringing the owner in and being like you got to let him season the food <laughs> so i was like there was a victory there but yeah. at the same time i was like i this relationship might be beyond repair yeah so yeah that's going on in the meantime bryce is just absolutely blown up in mm -hmm. austin he gets nominated for food and wine best new chefs mm-hmm the food and wine festival in this is like what first year of barley kind of thing probably like 10 2010 i'm guessing which i think is when it opened right? yeah the, it would have been yeah um he gets nominated for best new chef mm -hmm. the aspen food and wine classic is where like all the award like the yeah you know the big show is and so all of the chefs that get nominated for that are meant to fly to aspen and put on the events for food and wine to okay. like showcase their skills and, and rub elbows with the who's who in the industry. Mm -hmm. So Bryce is back in town, yeah. back in Aspen for that. And Sam has, Sam Hellenmas in the meantime had quit at Spiaggia mm -hmm. and ended up helping Bryce open up Barley Swine. Okay. Did, <laughs> did you know at that point that Bryce was like going in that direction or was he? Well, when he would talk about like go, wanting yeah. to do a food trailer and I'm like, you're nuts, dude. I'm like, <laughs> look at this place. Look at the product that we get to work with. Like, yeah. But he didn't express that it was I'm like, like a food, an elevated food trailer or something. Yeah. I mean, I didn't understand what food trailers really were because outside of mm -hmm. the context of Austin, they like meant nothing to That's me. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was so, he was it like was a very Austin. He was thing at that time. It was very Austin and he mm -hmm. was super early in doing like nice oh, yeah. food out of a trailer. He oh, was like sure. a pioneer. Yeah. And, um, Sam had like gone to work for him in the opening of barley mm -hmm. and worked for him, worked for him in the trailer for a little bit too. Cause he was just like, I don't know what to do next. Like, I don't want to work at Spiaggia. I, don't, I hate Chicago. Yeah. Um, you know, and <laughs> Sam is like driven and dogged and is always going to figure out like a way to do something exciting. And he mm -hmm. thought what Bryce was doing was exciting. Yeah, definitely was. He gets nominated for that award. They end up in Aspen for the food and wine classic. The three of us reconnect like mm -hmm. just, were you doing something there as well? Or were you I was just hanging out? Well, I was just, Aspen's the, uh, a small town. So okay. it's like a small town and like there's mm -hmm. during food and wine, like Batali and his family ate like five five times at the restaurant that I'd opened in <laughs> yeah. that week. 
Okay. Like that's cool. The butcher, the butcher that we had at BB's, his very good friend managed the American Express Black Card. The chef for oh, wow. all of the American Express Black Card events was mm. Thomas Keller. So like Thomas really? Keller is like wow. okay. three sheets to the wind standing standing in our <laughs> dining room looking for my friend's friend because she was hanging out at our restaurant. Yeah. You know, and so it's oh, like amazing. the who's who, the variable so, like who's who is like they're there in yeah. Aspen. Anybody like wow. Jose Andres, like, you know, he would come to the hotel when we were all working at the hotel mm-hmm. and they would do an industry night and it would be like him oh, wow. carving Iberian ham and scooping caviar up with the ham and shoving <laughs> it in people's mouths and like just Sounds getting wild, taking Perones full of, full of sherry and just dumping them, like wow. dumping them in cook's mouths and stuff. It was like back in <laughs> the wild amazing. West days yeah. of like the before, That's before HR, before oh, PC. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, that mm. was the wild west. It's like, yeah. and if you were in Aspen during food and wine, it was the center of the culinary universe for those few days. For sure. Wow. Bryce is back for that. We reconnect mm-hmm. and they're like, Hey, we're, we're thinking about doing odd duck as a brick and mortar restaurant. Do you want to come and help us out? Mm-hmm. And I was like sick of what I was doing and who I was working for. And I was like, yeah, I do. You know, I'm ready. Um, and so I'd put in my notice with, with the ownership at BB's and was like, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go open a restaurant with my friend in, mm-hmm. uh, in Austin. Were you following Bryce at that point? Were you like, like following, uh, what was going on? Not, at I mean, not really. Uh, so I you knew, weren't really familiar with, I knew that anything? he had been nominated for food and wine. Okay. And I knew that, um, Sam was super excited about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam and I had a much more social um, friendship. Like Sam, Sam's talker, and he mm-hmm. and he and I would like you know occasionally like hop on a long phone call and just be like, okay. "What's going on? What kind of food are you doing? Like, what's the line like there?" You yeah. know, when he was at Spiaggia, or yeah. oh, you're moving to Austin? Why? Like, oh, what's Bryce doing? What kind of food? You know, and he yeah. would tell me about it, and then I would you know re- saw him in food and wine and it's just like whoa that's my friend. He's in. He's like <laughs> yeah, that's cool. He's yeah, like in cool. the one like the best new chefs food yeah. and wine that's, that's so amazing. cool yeah um, so i ended up moving moving to austin we had after coming to visit and being like wow they're doing such cool food at barley we had some real estate that we were like yeah this is what where odd duck is going to be and they had already started engaging with an architect that real estate falls through bryce is like really yeah. i didn't know that so yeah. they would so it wasn't going to be at the current location right it was going to be um oh. I don't know, a mile south of there. Um, on, okay. Still on Lamar, but kind okay. of like across from Walgreens on Bart, like where Barton Skyway cuts across. There's like yeah, um, a lot that is just now being developed, which is hilarious. Oh, that one, yeah. That, that used to be a gar- like a mechanic's garage there. Yeah, and then that it became building, a pizza spot. we were going to like gut it and make that into Oh, uh, that little corner? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that would have been a nightmare. For yeah. <laughs> no parking, nothing. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. But that real estate ended up falling through, so I had to like find something to do in the meantime. And then I went and helped our our sort of mutual hero, Steve Rosakowski, uh, with his reopening of his restaurant Oak in Boulder, because his restaurant had he'd opened it, it was just raging for like three months, and then there was a restaurant fire and it burnt down. Oh no! Yeah. Oh my god! And so it was time for him to reopen. 
I had really gotten into bread in the meantime. And he's like, I want to do bread at uh, Oak. Will you do a bread uh-huh. program for me and like help me train cooks and reopen? Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so I like lived in a spare bedroom and <laughs> and like did Just, a bread program for him and like yeah, kind of did sous chefy like stuff and did pastries for him. Mm-hmm. Um, at Oak while we while we waited for the next thing to get you know to to look at for real estate to get down to austin mm-hmm. we weren't finding anything great and bryce was like why don't you just come to barley and like cook here while we you know move to austin and cook at barley until we find something so i did that yeah. line cooked there for a while butchered for a while i had some butchering experience um yeah yeah, you were working the grill the first time I went to Barley. Yeah, oh, really? Me, me and my friend uh, were sitting there, and we were, like, watching you work, and you were, like, it was like you had, like, you were wor- you were moving so fast, w- faster than we had ever seen anybody move on a line, and then it was like you had, like, six arms. It was like, how, <laughs> how, are, how are you doing this? And, it, and that place was so small that yeah. it was like, I, couldn't, I can't imagine you moving that much in that small little area, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was so, so small, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. That restaurant yeah. was was great because it was like this underdog, like yeah. punk rock For experience sure. that yeah. was. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was we all knew we all knew how to play. It was like a game of pickup basketball. It was like <laughs> yeah, you could just make every station hard um, mm-hmm. and know that nobody there was going to give up and nobody yeah. there was going to compromise. And we just like would cook as hard as we could, and mm-hmm. that was like the full pirate ship experience. We're like, yeah, cutting off our chef pants into shorts and like, (laughs) you know, that was, it was, uh, the equipment was garbage with the exception of the grill. We had a, you know, the the great wood grill that still exists in the family now. Yeah. Um, but it was done on a shoestring budget and like Mm -hmm. we spent all the money on the product. Um, Yeah. On the, yeah. So we were, we were getting phenomenal ingredients, but oh yeah, that's amazing. Butchered there for a while. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the, what was that experience after going through all these kitchens and then you end up at Barley, which is like, uh, for lack of a better word, like just this ramshackle kind of like pieced together, like like you said, like a punk rock pirate ship kind of thing. It, it was, but the, the food was as good as any, That's true, as yeah. any it, of the best restaurants. And sure. uh, it, had, um, it had more soul than, yeah. uh, you know, like I, Bryce... The food that Bryce was doing, even when we were, when we were at the Little Nell, uh, he, mm-hmm. if you wanted like a sous chef job at that hotel, you had to go through a formal tasting, and you would do like a six course really? menu, and you would do it for the food and beverage director, wow, the the chef of the of the whole hotel, mm-hmm. his executive sous chef, the chef de cuisine of that fancy restaurant, wow, and then generally the 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 GM of the whole hotel would be there, and yeah. I remember Bryce's was like was like mind blowing because it's like when Fergus Henderson's nose to tail eating came out. And so he was like mm-hmm. very into using off cuts. Um, yeah. And, uh, Bryce was doing some like really cool, like outside of the box kind of like, in my opinion, I'm like, this is not refined enough for like these, the, like the white tablecloth and Egyptian cotton chef coat embossed, yeah. you know, like, yeah. um, shiny shoes in the kitchen kind of, Mm-hmm. management team that he's cooking for but they all loved it because his food was like so delicious and thoughtful yeah for um sure. that they i mean that's that's how he got his you know junior sous chef role there mm-hmm. 
um, was through that tasting. So I knew that the guy could cook. I knew that he had outside the box ideas. And then when we ended up like cooking together at Barley, or I ended up, I should, you know, to phrase it more accurately, where I ended up cooking for him at Barley, mm-hmm. it, uh, I was I was just kind of blown away. And then he like would let Sam and I put dishes on the menu and our cooking started to look a little bit closer to his and we were like sort of developing the language together mm-hmm. of like what is the food going to look like at odd duck the uh brick and mortar mm-hmm. restaurant yeah and when he and sam had come to eat at bb's and aspen they were like this restaurant would would do really well in um in austin because mm-hmm. it was a little bit it was a little bit more approachable but it was still like there was craftsmanship in the food. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still like made all the bread in house. Like we still did a, a you know a ton of nice butchery. But it yeah. was it was like a little bit more traditional, a little bit more uh, European in flavor profile, less mm-hmm. influenced you know by Mexico and southwestern cuisine than like the original out the gate stuff was at Barley. Um, and. Um, you know, sense has become even more of a melting pot just in the years since that. Yeah. Um, because Bryce, like one of his superpowers is that he like figures out who has a strong voice and the, and the goods to back it up in terms of cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then allows them a forum to express that voice. And like, that's like what he was doing for Sam and I and for, uh, Kyle McKinney, the pastry chef at the time, and John West mm-hmm. was, you know, one of the sous chefs at the time. Um, we all had like this place that we could pour ourselves into the food, mm-hmm. um, and it would, uh, if it tasted right and the textures were there and it like had a place on the menu, it went on the menu. Uh, yeah, and it was, uh, it was exhilarating. Actually, the one, uh, a kind of hilarious aside is like when I got hired on as a cook mm-hmm. i didn't realize it but i was kind of cutting in line in front of some people that were staging there <laughs> and one of the okay. people that had been staging there and been just killing himself to get a job there was bradley nichols the the uh bradley nichols oh, really? in the, of yeah 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 of Ludies. Yeah. yeah wow he's like who's this guy coming in here <laughs> you know we're we're like fast friends now and we're we're yeah. the, then at the time um yeah but it was it's just so interesting to see how that all like weaves together yeah um did you did you appreciate going from like running that restaurant to line cooking again was that something that you you were actively trying to do or yeah i mean i wasn't sitting in the office coding invoices yeah, um yeah. that was like you were cooking a line prepping and exactly involved with the food again yeah 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 it was sort of it was like all the athletic components of cooking where it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna crush my list make sure everything's as perfect as it can be and then like make sure that i have time to sharpen my knife before every service like there were like the things that when you get like-minded people who all have a growth mindset uh in a shared space like they're gonna push each other yeah everybody just sort of elevates keeps elevating and like you're pushing each other without a toxic like element to it it's just like you're just trying to do the best because you see the guy next to you or the the lady next to you just like doing something a little better. You're like, I got to be a little better now. You know, it's great. 100%. That restaurant seemed like it always had that. I mean, when I worked there many, many years later, had it had that as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, that speaks volumes to like who Bryce is as a person. And mm-hmm. I think like any 
chef who was a cook for a long time, mm. they try to open a restaurant that's like scratches the itch that they were longing for. That they yeah. were like, man, yeah. if if I would have been able to blank when I was a cook, I would have mm-hmm. like been more excited about where I was working. I would have put yeah. more of myself into it. I would have grown more as a person. And then yeah. each generation just tries to do a little bit better than the previous. And I think like mm-hmm. Bryce lives by a code and i think anybody who's ever known known or met him like can sense that mm-hmm. that he has like oh for sure very very strong like internal code of conduct that he holds himself to yeah and like part of that is to like be the person he wanted in a chef you know yeah when he was a cook yeah and for sure. uh i think that cultivate cultivates like a lot of really passionate uh thoughtful hardworking, you know, mm-hmm. artist level cooks. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, he definitely cultivated like a gave people like a very specific uh perspective, you know, on, on cooking that a lot of places don't have, you know. It's very um uh it's got a lot of heart to it, yeah. Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. Well and it yeah. strips it strips away all the pretense and it's about yeah, like exactly what is delicious and what's exciting to eat yeah. and what has a sense of place and Mm-hmm. what feels like authentic to your own personal journey or identity mm-hmm. and like express that through your cooking. And like, yeah. that's what he tries to coax out of people. And also you don't need it to be this elevated thing. I think it was, that was like the first restaurant I experienced where I was like, they're doing this level of food mm-hmm. and they're all just in shorts and like t-shirts yeah. and they all, they're everybody's wearing the Jester King shirt or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it looked like me and my friends and yeah, totally. you're doing a, a like, to to my knowledge, like Michelin quality food for just people just like hanging out in a in a bar, sweating yeah. it out, sweating it out, you know. Well, that was that was like the era of the gastro pub. Yeah, that's where true. It was yeah. like, yeah, you know, the the sous chefs and chef de cuisines of the places that were getting Michelin stars were like, I don't, I'm I don't sick of that. ironing my chef's jacket. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to put product yeah. in my hair every night. Like, I want to wear yeah. my like my holy concert t shirt. And mm-hmm. put a bandana on and like and yeah. turn up like yeah for you know, sure British ro- British like punk rock like five decibels too high and like yeah. just sling plates that I know are like bang on good yeah yeah for sure how did how did the opening of Odd Duck end up happening then if you said it fell out and then was it just just by circumstance that you ended up at that location which is pretty much like a block from the original it's literally on the same piece of property that the trailer was on yeah oh it was like the developers ended up uh coming to our broker we had we had been working with a broker named Mm -hmm. michelle geary who um she had helped find the first or the spot for um for barley swine for the brick and mortar okay so oftentimes like when you're going to open a place if you're having a hard time finding real estate you work with a commercial real estate broker mm-hmm. who like kind of understands your needs a little bit better mm-hmm. and can also market you to the sellers or okay. to to the landlord more often mm-hmm. it's, more often it's a lease situation okay and so she knew the developers of the lot that um odd duck and the associated property at gibson flats is all located on mm-hmm. and they were looking for that like keystone um business to put on their property and the mm-hmm. way that the was way that, that a restaurant of, that they were looking exactly for? yeah okay and they they okay. picked the size all right um you know they 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 sort of deliver what they call like the vanilla box or the white box where it's just like okay. this is the amount of square footage that we can build without 
without going through a whole bunch of additional rigmarole. It fits with the overall site plan. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to lease it? So the size and shape of the building were predetermined. We were able to like finish it out however we wanted to finish it out with with some tenant improvement allowance, mm-hmm. but and then with investor monies raised thereafter. But that opportunity came to us through our broker. It seemed like ridiculously serendipitous, the fact that it was literally the lot that the trailer had been bumped off of to make way for this (laughs) development. And then we end up getting the opportunity to like be the restaurant on that property. Like Mm -hmm. there's one. Um, That's amazing. So yeah, we we opened that and that would have been um, the end of 2013, beginning of 2014 is when we opened Odd Duck. And we'd kind of like develop the menu all together. Bryce was uh, kind of dividing his time in between Barley Swine and Odd Duck. Like I had been brought on as the day-to-day uh, chef for, for Odd Duck. Working kind of like a chef de cuisine to Bryce as an executive. Um, and um, Sam as like a co-chef. Okay. Uh, Sam Helen Mass as a co-chef mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Um, and we... You know, just focused on our, our given strengths and got that restaurant open mm-hmm. and um, hired a bunch of new cooks. Actually, Zach Perez, the guy who's oh, yeah. the, yeah. who is now our culinary director in between Sour Duck and Odd Duck, mm-hmm. was one of the first line cooks that we hired there. That's amazing. Yeah, that was. Yeah. yeah. What, what a great hire. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we poured we poured everything that we had into opening that restaurant and we're super proud of what we of what we opened with yeah i mean uh, what was the was the plan well i guess the plan wasn't to jump up that much but um the jump from barley to that is huge i mean it seems like almost like a hotel restaurant in the sense that it you went from what like 20 seats to like well, I you think know, like 44 was the biggest that Barley ever got in that okay. original space. When mm-hmm. I started there, it yeah. was like 36. And then it was like we were we were like carving some of the back of the house out to make room for <laughs> one more table to like have yeah. it like actually make sense. And that was like we were worried about that yeah. when we, as we were doing it. Yeah. I think what the appeal of I'm just guessing from Bryce's perspective of bringing me in was that the restaurant that I ran in Aspen was, you know, a dining room of about 70 seats with a lounge okay. attached to it. That was about 40 more and then mm-hmm. a patio of about 60 more seats beyond that. So mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd been the chef of, it seems ridiculous, but had been the chef of a place that was like just under 200 seats mm-hmm. when it was all said and done and when we were bumping yeah. and like we were doing food from scratch in a, in a small kitchen that was at a nice level. Yeah. Um, and, um, we were doing food that we were proud of and he was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, like maybe Mark can help with the volume thing. And I think my experience at like, as the sous chef at that bistro of the hotel also seemed like it would align well. And we just knew the three of us, there was like some kind of magic that would happen when the three of us worked together. Yeah. Um, so we're like, let's, let's do this bigger restaurant together. Like, let's, let's make this like the swan song passion project. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we poured ourselves into it and we're very, yeah. very happy with what, 
like how it was developing as a restaurant, mm-hmm. like the food we were able to do. Yeah. Gradually, we figured out how to differentiate the food in between barley and odd duck. Yeah. At first, they were very similar. Yeah. I remember there were some crossovers. Yeah, kind exactly. Of, yeah. But yeah. And then gradually, like the real transition was when barley went to like tasting menu only kind of yeah. concept. Yeah. Um, and then eventually moved from its location on South Lamar up to the North Burnett location. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a couple of years later. Yeah. So what was the what was the thinking behind the kitchen? Because if you if any other person had that or any other restaurant group or, or individuals had that space, mm-hmm. they would have maximized seating yep. and minimized how much kitchen there. The kitchen is so big. Yeah. It's bigger than the dining room. So like what was the thinking there? I know that Bryce loves a big kitchen but yeah i mean that is like it's the first thing you see when you walk in and yep. it's unavoidable you yep. know what i mean so what was what was the process there well the process there is like it was driven around two pieces of equipment first at first really? it was like we're having a wood burning grill because there was a wood burning mm-hmm. grill in the trailer there's wood burning mm-hmm. grill at barley swine it's just like quintessential to like central texas cooking mm-hmm. it's like you get post oak you cook over it yeah and then we were like let's do a wood burning oven and i had like <laughs> okay. really gotten into bread okay and um the bread program that i did for our buddy steve in at um oak. in boulder at oak mm-hmm. uh i was doing all the baking with residual heat from the wood burning oven so i'd come in in the morning sweep oh, wow. out the fire from the night before mop uh-huh. the deck kind of even out the temp and then do all the baking in the wood oven Wow. Wait, and just residual heat. Like mm-hmm. you're not you're not adding any nope. coals or anything. Just there's wow. plenty. I mean, there's That's there's amazing. plenty for okay. two and a half loads. Uh, uh-huh. And he had he had a Forno Bravo, so it was like a a modular concrete oven mm-hmm. with some insulation. Okay. And then there's in like the super nerdy bread world, there's a guy named Alan Scott who was in mm-hmm. California who built these ovens. Just they were just called Alan Scott ovens. Okay. And they had like a lot more thermal mass and they, you could bake, you know, four or five, six loads of bread without adding additional fire. Cause it was like, there was so much heat stored in mm. like the thousands of pounds of stone that okay. it was, you know, was needed to make that oven. Wow. Okay. That, um, you could bake really incredible bread mm-hmm. using just residual heat. So like we wanted a wood oven. we f- happened to find a guy in central Texas who built Alan Scott style ovens, you know, brick oh, by brick. Wow. Um, yeah, it's Dave Eberhart and it's Texas oven companies. Mm-hmm. So we, we engaged him early on and then we like, how do we have those two pieces of wood burning equipment? Like in the absolute center, in the absolute, <laughs> uh, center of the restaurant. Yeah. And how do we make That's them amazing. like the focal point or like the hearth of, uh-huh. of the home, you know, that like, yeah, you know, we always wanted to give that vibe that we're like, we're throwing a dinner party at our house. It does feel like that. Like, and that's, yeah. and like, what's the, what's the center of a home? Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of places it, in olden days, so to speak, it was like, it was the hearth. It was the fireplace. Yeah. Um, so like our version of the fireplace was this wood burning oven. And then like right next to it, we've got this wood burning grill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're like, oh, we need a place to do prep. You know, and we yeah. started like, and then we're like, well, we have this many stations at Barley. We should probably have about twice as many at Odd Duck. <laughs> and, and so the kitchen just balloons. It just yeah. grows and grows yeah. and grows. And we loved the uh, sort of chef counter experience. And they're like, oh, we'll just wrap the chef's counter around it and yeah. then seat most of it. Yeah. Um, so um, 
Yeah, I mean that's that's basically how it happened, and you're not the first person to notice. Like the ratios are a little bit <laughs> off. Like yeah. the the architect that we use, he's he ended up being a financial partner in the business too, and he was like, uh, "How about we get some more tables in here?" You know, <laughs> like because he drew, he drew other restaurants, or he's been an architect yeah. on other restaurant projects, and he's like, yeah. "He probably needs some more tables. We got to do some revenue." <laughs> but uh, yeah. it 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 all ended up working out, and I think like the patio seating and then the additional seating that we've added out in front of the space is like mm-hmm. helped kind of put that a little bit more into balance, but it still is yeah. a, a giant kitchen. Yeah, um, which is amazing. It's a hallmark of that kitchen or the that space, you know. Oh, it's so much, and it's so much fun to like to know that like the limitations on the food are are very, very, very few because it's like yeah. you have the equipment, so space. you have the space, you have like mm-hmm. the engagement from the guests to be like, I go here because it's fun. I get to absorb the energy of the mm-hmm. of the uh, the kitchen and the bar experience. Like, mm-hmm. no matter where I'm sitting, except for a very few very few spots on the patio you know everybody else can see pretty much yeah. everything that's going on yeah and we wanted to make that energy a part of the whole experience yeah so what uh how did how did the sourdough come about was that just from your your bread making like was that driven by yeah yeah largely yeah largely yeah. uh it was driven by the fact that like i we always had um we always had bread on the menu at odd duck and then we started doing some lamination and doing some croissant work at Odd Duck for the brunches. Yeah, I remember there was a pig face Parker House roll that I that I remember to this day because it was so good. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the opening things that we did, and then mm-hmm. there was like always like a stuffed pretzel that we would do. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, um, and yeah. they became like kind of iconic dishes, mm-hmm. and we're like, man, people really like uh, like the baked stuff that we do. Like maybe we should look at doing a bakery. Yeah. Um, and we were at the point where, like, I think Bryce and his wife had had their first kid, and Dylan had, had his uh, Dylan and his wife had had their first kid too. And we, we, you get to the point where you're like trying to scratch your own itch of like, where do where can where does I your go family eat with eat? my family? Yeah, that I'm like excited about eating with my family. That's true. It's yeah, like it's very few let's places. Let's like make a place that we could go eat with our families. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and we started looking, you know, after we felt like, okay, Odd Duck feels kind of stabilized. We have like a good management team in both the front and the back of the house. Like mm-hmm. it feels like, it feels like we should start looking right now. Cause we know a restaurant takes about two years to bake. Yeah. Um, and we started looking and anticipating it was going to take months and months to find a spot. Mm-hmm. We found a spot the first week. It was literally the first <laughs> property that we looked at is yeah. the, the property that were uh, that, you know, we opened Sour Duck on. Mm-hmm. What was this place? It was Joe Cook's Catering, and there was like okay. a barber shop here for a while. Okay, it was pretty run. It was pretty run down, pretty beat okay. up. I was gonna say I don't re- even remember what it was. It was just yeah. a nondescript building, kind of nondescript yeah. building. It was it was white building with a red awning, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Cook's Catering was in it. There was like there were like two sort of like uh, Walmart picnic tables in the back with umbrellas <laughs> over them. Okay and uh a giant yard mm-hmm. and then there was an old house on that was like totally decrepit like condemnable mm-hmm. um and we're like man like the property's kind of dumpy but uh there's something enchanting about it mm-hmm. and the size was right its proximity to downtown was really good um we felt like this this neighborhood was really kind of up and coming in terms of foot traffic and economic development. 
So, uh, yeah, we signed a lease and started drawing stuff up and ended up, ended up with what we have now in terms of a two building structure, one with a bar, a big courtyard in the center, and then your bakery cafe in the front building. Um, and it just kind of slowly grew into what it is, today. what it is today, yeah. you know, and did it did the same thing that all the other restaurants that are still alive today did and pivoted like crazy during COVID <laughs> yeah. and figured out like what what does the dining public of 2023 want like let's let's get as close to that as we can yeah okay so you guys are more driven by uh by that like how do we um which actually is an interesting thing because uh um so sour duck you see as being more like driven by the customer like what do they want how do we please them as opposed to i mean that's what all restaurants do but it seems like barley is more of like chef driven and people go there for that and then odd duck seems a little more actually i don't really know what odd duck is it's it's chef driven but it seems more like it has to appeal to a wider to a little bit of wider audience too but i think that it makes a lot of sense like i kind of categorize them in the frequency in which you would eat at the spaces and then like that's true yeah that what are you what itch are you scratching like right barley swine is like mm-hmm. i'm going out for my anniversary i'm going out to like yeah very special. for a very special thing mm-hmm. i'm i'm flying to austin and i want to eat at like four really memorable places like mm-hmm. or i want to have uh, a very uniquely austin experience that's like well curated yeah you're like going there to be to have total freedom from concern and you want to feel like pampered taken care of and you you're going for a night of theater <laughs> yeah it's like you go to odd duck for like a boisterous atmosphere mm-hmm. really some some very chef driven food an authentic experience mm-hmm. but it's like much more like communal social mm-hmm. rowdy uh there's it gets that restaurant gets crazy loud yeah it does um yeah in a good way in a good I way think, I, I think, it's yeah. it's bustling you know mm-hmm. and it's you go there for that energy, that bustling energy yeah, for and sure. for really good food. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't feel as formal as the dining experience does at Barley Swine. Yeah. And um, it feels like you have like a wider swath of your peer group that like it makes sense for mm-hmm. versus like very uh, special occasion driven at Barley Swine or like a more curated group of people. Mm-hmm. It's like, a dinner party at your house is like barley swine. It's like a yard party, you know, is is like odd yeah. duck, and then mm-hmm. a block party is sour duck. Yeah. So it's like sour ducks. Like you could eat here multiple times a week. You can plug in your laptop and do your work here. Like you would yeah. never do that at barley swine. Yeah. You would <laughs> never do that at happy. odd duck. No. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. you could come here for a cup of coffee and a pastry and leave. And I think the casual nature of it and the mm-hmm. amount of times we're expecting the guests to repeat like very much drives the decision making of like it's got to feel comfortable for a lot of people and mm-hmm. we have to react to what the uh what the community is saying yeah um and that's kind of sure. what we wanted us to be from from go at sour was the uh a community house you know or a public mm-hmm. house that uh offered food drink hospitality yeah um but did so in a totally like stripped down and easy way yeah um but that the quality and and craftsmanship was was still there and you know it was still has a there's still like you can see there's like sibling blood you know what i mean it's it feels like the same yeah and i think like 
the craft of cooking and the craft of making cocktails or or you know pouring a nice shot of espresso mm -hmm. um they're all coming from the same place it's coming from like we care deeply about the things that we do and mm -hmm. it's like which of these things scales well um yeah to the point that we can scale it to you know on on our busiest days here it's a thousand people wow and it's like that's a lot it's like it's how crazy. can we cook for a thousand people and still <laughs> have it feel like we care about all of them and it's like mm -hmm. okay like we bake the bread yeah. here like yeah. we smoke the meats in a in a big smoker mm -hmm. um like it's still farmer's market curated not not quite to the to the extent that it is at either odd duck or barley swine but it's like driven by seasonal markets we work with mm -hmm. farmers that are on a slightly larger scope yeah. or like uh you know more farm to table the the distributor driven than it is individual curated farms mm -hmm. um whereas, whereas yeah. the other restaurants are are more like curated farms yeah yeah i think uh it's if you look at other restaurant groups it's wild to see that a lot of restaurant groups strive for that sort of the uh, distinction between mm -hmm. the restaurants and i feel like you guys made it happen quite naturally it's 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 uh it's nice to see I don't well, know. I feel like you have to experience it to, you know, understand, but it does feel very distinct between each place. Yeah, yeah. and I think like you can go to each one in in one day if you wanted, you know what I mean? You yep. Breakfast here, lunch at Odd Duck and then uh dinner at Barley, you know. Yeah. It seems possible. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um yeah. I think a lot of that was organic and a lot of that was just sort of like as as a cook, you you look at everything that's done in the food world and you're like, I kind of want to do all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, uh, you got ideas and they don't necessarily thing. fit. Right. It's like, yeah, they don't, it's like a, like a croissant, a chocolate croissant wouldn't, wouldn't really like, it would feel kind of weird to serve at barley swine. Like, <laughs> here's yeah. your chocolate croissant, you know, or, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't fit. or, or here's your fried chicken sandwich. I'm like, but yeah. Like show me a cook who's not a vegetarian who doesn't love a fried chicken sandwich. And I know. It's like yeah, all right. You know, it's we're scratching our own itches, and it's mm -hmm. it's uh, figuring out a way to do as much of what we really wanted to do as we can, and then yeah. like putting it in the right box. Mm -hmm. um, is yeah, is what just sort of organically happened. Yeah. Well, uh, as a sort of like a last question, what um, what do you guys got planned for? the future do you have, do you guys just uh keep plugging away or i think um i put it this way the other day to one of our managers is we sort of we sort of like um our growth is oriented towards kind of reading the tea leaves we like we'll look at our management team mm -hmm. um much like bryce would do when he would see a new cook that had a lot of promise, he'd be mm -hmm. like, what does this cook want to do? And like, what, how are they going to contribute? It's like, we'll look at the overall management group. We'll look at the, the uh, mm -hmm. folks that we have here, like what the hiring market is. And we'll be like, what feels like a logical, natural next step. Mm -hmm. And like, we're in a looking phase right now. Like Bryce recently like bought that, bought the a farm. farm. Yeah. yeah. He's got Riverfield farms mm -hmm. and farm, I should say singular. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, uh, he's, you know, doing what we do and slowly organically without forcing it, figuring out how that works with the whole group, how to get the best of both worlds and both directions mm -hmm. with the farm to the restaurant and the restaurant to the farm relationships. 
Uh, and I, th- I think like the next thing will reveal itself. Um, just organically. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And we also kind of grow when it, you know, in that same approach, you grow when it feels right for the team. Mm-hmm. And when it feels like all the right pieces are in place and the, those pieces are like, Hey, like I, I like working with you guys, but I can't work in the same job for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's like, true. you know, there's, there's that internal pressure as well. Yeah. Uh, internal meaning inside the restaurant group. Um, yeah. yeah. Otherwise what's next is the prep list for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take a day at a time. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Mark. Uh, Yeah. Thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. All right. Thank you.